The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 54, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight Your Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, what in the world just happened? It is bizarro world. Nothing is real in the world anymore. How you doing, brother? Mike, I have a take. Oh, we got Insta take. I like Insta-take. it. Actually, Microwave wait. It. Pre Insta take. It was a it was a hectic week because I was traveling and we had small windows and then little baby Gus has had some. Has, we was sick, right? Is he doing better? Is he okay? Yes, he's yes, he's all good. Okay. I appreciate you asking. That's what's important. Okay, I have a take. <laughs> okay, it's about Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Oh boy. And the take is this. Yes. Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. All right, now hear <laughs> me out. This might be okay. <laughs> the take is this, and we and and again, it's something we've said many, many times. Luck matters so much more than we think it does, and, and the balls bouncing a certain way matters so much more than we think it does. We fool you, gentle listener, into thinking that you have to listen to this podcast to understand what's going on. But the reality is clearly, <laughs> football is chaos. We have no <laughs> clue what's happening because what thirteen point dogs? And and here's 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 this one. okay what. <laughs> Foles didn't even play that well. Right, Foles was okay. 24 for 34, 270, and an interception. Yeah. Play calling wasn't even all that different. Right. Right. Je- Jeffrey got more targets because Foles was there, or uh, Ertz didn't get as many. We'll talk about what that means. Offensive line played better. Yeah. Uh, I think Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams looked good. Uh, defense line played better, generated a lot of pressure. I think the big thing is the turnovers. We got to talk about it. The big thing, turnovers. The Eagles in the last... Two games have generated six turnovers. That's not even including like a turnover on downs for a fake punt. Six turnovers. 
over the, the nine games previous, they had yeah. generated six turnovers, Mike. Turnovers in short fields are changing the game for this team, which is something that we talked about. The, the, the Eagles being 32nd in big play uh, rating for defense. Well, now they're generating some big plays and making that number better. So turnovers is a huge part of it. But the simple reality was the, the Rams punt returner muffs the kick. You know, yeah. Jared Goff tries to throw a ball on a, on a dead third and one, and Corey Graham grabs it. Like, just the the stupid stuff finally, finally, finally went Philadelphia's way. And the Eagles, with the longest laundry list at injured at, uh, of injuries I've ever seen, with Nick Foles again as the starting quarterback, just beat the Los Angeles Rams and kept their playoff hopes alive. It's, it's, it's unconscionable what's currently happening to this team. It's, un, it's, it's, we, like, I, I'm glad you're listening to the podcast. Please don't stop listening to the podcast. I don't know if Mike's any better, but I have no, I just have no clue anymore. I don't even know. So Ben, I think the the main message here in the Eagles win 30 to 23 in a, a real butt clencher, real close one that I started to get in a sinky feel about. We'll talk about that in a second. But Ben, I had one very simple request from this Eagles team coming into this game as 13 point dogs. Play tough. That's it. Right. Show show some pride with your back severely against the wall when everybody is doubting you. Do your damnedest to prove guys like me and Ben and others wrong about how this game would go. And that was one of the ingredients of their magical run last year. The ability to shut it all out, tune out the noise, put all adversity aside and play 60 minutes of tough football. They haven't done it consistently to this point and coming into this game. You know, with Wentz out, just like last year, it, it felt more important than ever to see that this team had a pulse and that they could rally around each other and they could be that team that we loved so much last year, regardless of what needs to happen and how improbable it was. This was a team not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs and, and fans can scoff at that and say it was over. And, and a lot of people have said it's over. A lot of people have talked about the draft and we need to pivot to the draft and who cares it's over and all that stuff. But you know, a lot of us said that the dream of a Super Bowl was over when Wentz went down last year. That Eagles team was able to shut out the noise and perform. This year, not so much. This game against the odds, against a very good Los Angeles Rams football team that didn't play all that great tonight. We'll talk about that. But a legitimate Super Bowl contender has 13 and a half point underdogs. And you know what, Ben? The Philadelphia Eagles fought. They fought damn hard. It leads to a win. I'm very proud of this team. Yeah, I mean, if we if we actually discuss the things that Nick Foles has that Carson Wentz doesn't, which exist. I think the number one thing you have to mention is it has never once seemed like uh, a moment is too big for Nick. Nick is right. incredibly, and like, I don't think clutch is the right word. I think just steady is the right word. Nick is just like, and he talks about this all the time. Like, I didn't look at the scoreboard. I didn't look at the, you know, I didn't know the situation. I just came out there trying to play my game. Like, he's just so agnostic of situation. He's so agnostic of uh, of of like stress and like implications he just plays his game and his game isn't great but man it uh when what the one that i like if we identify what was the biggest difference for the philadelphia eagles offense like why was the offense moving the offense stayed ahead of the sticks mike i right. mean again this was not an offense that was very effective on third down uh, especially when they got into penalty situations where they were behind significantly behind the six you know first and 20 second and 15 a lot listen Mike, this team went four for thirteen on third downs. It's not great. Rams yeah. went four for twelve. That's good news. Uh, four for thirteen, zero for one on fourth down. It's not like this, you know. 
uh, Foles out there making incredible plays. They just stayed ahead of the sticks. They're able to yeah. stay ahead of the sticks still, so, so often. And then you generate three turnovers. You know, Rams outgained them. Rams had more first downs than they did. Three turnovers. And that, and that's that's like, you know, that's what it's going to take to beat good teams. But that's what it takes to beat good teams for Chicago. Chicago had to generate a ton of turnovers on the Rams to beat them, you know? Like, Dallas was out there generating turnovers on the Saints to beat them. Like, when good teams beat other good teams, oftentimes comes down to the turnover battle. So, hey, listen, if this beat-up secondary, Vontae Maddox, Rasul Douglas, uh, Corey freaking Graham, I can't believe I'm saying it, they're going to get the turnover <laughs> luck and the plays that they need give some short fields to this offense, it bring, it, it completely changes the dimension of the game for the Eagles. Let's talk about one of those turnovers because this sequence of events was crazy. The Rams score a touchdown after a long ball to Josh Reynolds that puts it at 30-23 to 23 with four minutes left. The Eagles stall out after an abysmal drive. And you start getting that sinking feeling like, man, here we go. Here we're in we're in quicksand. We get the the penalty, the illegal shift, and there was a block in the back, and, and they're way behind the chains. There's really no way that they're gonna make that up. And you're thinking, okay, this is where this is where you really, really start to worry. Cause we've been here before. We we've blown leads like this this year. The 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 feeling this year for me was entirely different than the feeling last year when we had a lead. But the Rams muffed the punt, and the Eagles get a clear, and I want to be clear on this a clear recovery of the fumble, get the ball back. Now in they're, they're in a position to win this game. The Eagles miss a 53-yard field goal, and it gives the Rams the ball back at their own 43-yard line with no timeouts, 54 seconds left. The Rams move it down to the 18 with four seconds left because Gurley doesn't get out of bounds due to Avante Maddox, who had a pick in this game, being able to get off of his block and make a play. I don't think Gurley expected that. And that's why he got tackled in bounds. So one play to right. win it all, one shot. The Eagles blitz six and go picket fence. The villain. Jim, Jim, Jim Schwartz <laughs> called that Trolling. play call because Mike Groh told him, because Mike Groh listens to the podcast. Uh, Jim Schwartz called that because Mike Groh told him. He's like, yo, you know Mike and Ben totally pick on you for the picket fence thing. And he was like, word? Like, I can't believe Mike and Ben would do that. We're bros. They're like, yeah, like, I know Ben calls you Jimbo, but he is not a fan of the picket fence. And and Schwartz's like, listen, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go up 30 to 13 at the end of the third. Yeah. I'm going to let the Rams score 10. I'm going to let them bring the ball all the way back. I'm going to talk with Doug. Let them bring the ball all the way back to the near red zone. And then I'm going to run cover zero yeah. to screw with Mike, yep. picket fence to screw yep. with Ben. Yep. And we go win the game because Avante Maddox had Josh Reynolds clamp all game long. And, and again, one of the most just like you could never have predicted this would be a thing where we were. <laughs> but I said near red zone. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Mike, I have a take. Oh, we got another take from Ben. It's a two take show. I was told to do more slam stable. I have a takes. So I've got two for this. Just show. don't shut your computer off again. Yep. Then you're fine. Jared Goff mm. turns into a pumpkin in the red zone. Yeah. What the heck was this? Yeah, Mike. it was weird. Firstly, I can think of one third down throw he attempted beyond the sticks off the top of my head. Again, mm. four for 13 the Rams were on third down. Yeah. Constantly throwing behind the sticks or in front of the sticks, short of the sticks on third down. And then in the near red zone, again, we always talk about when that space starts to condense, you really need your quarterbacks and your play designs to step up. Listen, he had open wheel routes. He had open bus routes. He had open cor uh, flag routes. He wasn't hitting them. He was missing them. He was sailing those puppies. There was there was the uh, the end of the first half. They had four or five shots in the red zone, and, and, and Goff's putting it five yards out of bounds. 
He's yeah. not willing to throw it anywhere near coverage. He's skittish, man. Yeah. Near red zone. Eagles getting pressure. I acknowledge that. We knew that Goff's kryptonite was pressure. We've known this is game out of Cal, and it hasn't changed here in Los Angeles. But in near red zone, especially when you're getting pressure and there's those tight window throws, man, Goff doesn't trust it. Like that, yeah. that, that girly miss. He put that ball way up high away from the defenders. That Gerald Everett miss way to the outside away from defenders. Man, he yeah, does he not sure like to see color. <laughs> he missed, he missed several. Yeah. You know, like touchdown throws that, hey, Carson Wentz could have made, which is the main argument, but you know, Nick <laughs> freaking Foles could have made a couple of those. I swear down. For me, when I went back and looked at, looked on the film, the Detroit Lions game, he was bad. He was objectively bad. In that game, if the Lions make more plays, if they come up with some more catches on defense, that looks like a very bad game for Goff. But it's because it's the Lions, they win. I believe it was 30-16. to 16. Don't quote me on that. Because it's the Lions, and they, and they win by two scores. No one really pays attention to it. But then in prime time, they play the Bears, and Goff plays poorly against the Bears. Right. They shut him down. Then you're thinking, well, it's the Bears' defense. That's just, you know, that's just this is three weeks in a row now. Two of them against not very good defenses, for the most part. Now, I don't want to take too Listen. much credit away from the Eagles, but they have not exactly been lights out. They played fantastic uh, tonight, for the most part. Listen, what you said, you know, not necessarily fantastic defenses. There is no reason to start getting, like, meta about Sean McVay. Sean McVay is clearly a fantastic play caller. Oh, yeah. Sean McVay is clearly a you know, great, you know, young quarterback developer. And he's, you know, awesome. he's got an awesome system. And he does all the stuff that we love to see coaches in the league do offensively wise now that being said there's something to be said for when you have a sub 4-4 player in Brandon Cooks lined up against a 4-6 plus corner in Rasul <laughs> Douglas and just letting the young man run straight down the field right like it's simply it, it's like what we said about the Dallas game it took them three quarters to figure out you could just throw it in one-on-one coverage up the field on on these Eagles corners once they did they put up 21 points in a quarter Dallas did right well, St. Louis, or Los Angeles got close to that, but they never really pulled it off. Obviously, they had to start worrying about the clock there near the end of the fourth quarter. But it's shocking to me, like, you know, the amount of dump-offs that Goff was just first read check down, first read check down, first read check down, and the unwillingness to go protect three wide receiver to two wide receiver route concepts and let your, your, your Brandon Cox or let your Robert Woods go one-on-one down the field on these Eagles corners who have been awful Mike 32nd in the league in explosive or excuse me 31st in the league in marginal explosiveness on defense right. second worst in giving up explosive plays pass plays on defense what just go let him <laughs> let him fly you got great talent and Goff is a decent deep ball thrower it's not I think he's got a great nine ball I mean you saw the tracking issues that the, the Eagles quarterbacks had they were in good coverage and the ball just drops in there and they lose themselves like I don't trust those guys to, to make right. a play on a deep ball like that <laughs> Yeah. So that's a situation where you just expect more shots. Yeah, you expect you expect more yeah. shots. It, it, it's a situation of, you know, like uh, one of the reasons we always laud Belichick as a as a defensive play caller. Belichick has always been oriented his teams defensively on just take away whatever the opponent's team does really, really well. And Philadelphia was able to take away what the Rams did really, really well. I'm not going to take that away from them in terms of they just didn't bite on play action. And they just let everything happen in front of them. They played a ton of on running downs, Mike, zero techniques, Fletcher Cox, Trayvon yeah. Hester, Haloti Nada at zero technique. And a lot of that, I think, was to combat wide zone ideas by getting up in that, uh, up in the A gap. And, and, you know, you're not teeing off where you're going to be bringing pressure from. You could slant either direction. But regardless, that's, that's a divergence. We, we laud Belichick because his team's takeaway with the opposing team down as well was an offensive play caller. Attack with the defense does poorly. And Philadelphia 
get a one-on-one matchup on the outside and throw against it as often as you want. The Eagles are playing their fourth and their fifth string outside corners. Yeah. The curls, the comebacks. I mean, Gerald Everett had a freaking career game because of how much Jared Goff was checking down, right? They don't throw to the tight ends in this in this system. Like, what are you talking about? So I, I, I don't know what the funk is exactly for Los Angeles. I think it's mostly just Goff being very first read check down heavy. But, dude, I would have just protected and let him shoot. Yeah, And you just didn't really see them do that nearly as much as I would have expected. Maybe we'll go back to the tape. We'll see those plays. We'll see Rasul Douglas in, in fantastic coverage. Man, I'd love that. That'd be awesome. But to me, I don't think that's what happened. Yeah, I didn't see the two and three-man routes with the max protection. The things that I figured I would see against this heavy cover one, cover three defense in space, getting those two and three routes deep into the secondary and just kind of picking them apart and buying Goff maybe some extra time because Fletcher Cox was dominating the interior of that offensive line. Michael Bennett was doing a heck of a job. Brandon Graham was getting a push. Uh, they they were very, very good. And then at the end, you started to see him wear down. I remember I put on Twitter, I'm like, yo, Cox is gassed. He needs a breather. He comes out the next play. Uh, they get another chunk gain. He comes back in. That's when they get the huge gain to Reynolds. So I was like, man, this pass is going to start wearing down. And this is when it starts to get ugly. Turns out everything is totally fine. But look, we have to talk about this. We got to talk about Nick Foles a little in depth here. The day that he had, he started out yeah. solid. Started out real solid. Uh, you could say that he missed Ertz in, in the end zone. Uh, maybe you could say that Ertz is supposed to run that more like a flat seven, like a corner route. But to me, he runs a deep out, and they're not on the same page. So maybe that's the downside you get having a new quarterback in there. Chemistry thing is what it is. So that was one I thought he missed. We'll see. But then you look at what he did with Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey beat Aqib Tlaib early. Seven out of eight targets, Mike. Seven out of eight targets on the side of Aqib Tlaib, man. Michael Crabtree's father is Aqib Tlaib. His <laughs> grandfather is Alshon Jeffrey. Exactly. So, yeah, he he beats Aqib immediately on a release. Nice little bucket throw by by Foles. And then he has him, he has him on a couple more. And he had a nice faith throw where it, Jeffrey basically just stopped on a dig. And Jeffrey went up and got it. And then... Ben, the hilarious one. Okay, so we'll talk about his overall game, and he had an interception in this game, and, and but this one was amazing to me. He rolls out to his right. He sees Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey all by themselves. What was that, man? <laughs> the Rams secondary played very, very, very poorly in the first half, and that was part of it. So I thought Foles was a little late to that throw because if you have two guys that are like, 15 yards behind the defense, something went wrong in that secondary and Foles didn't identify identify it right away. I know he dropped his eyes to move at one point, was looking at an underneath route, but he ends up loading up that that Nick Foles can and takes a shot, which was ballsy. I'm going to give him credits for that. He knew he was going to take a shot. Throws a prayer up there. Alshon Jeffrey goes and gets it for, for, the, uh, for the reception. But overall, again, 24 for 31, 270. Didn't throw a touchdown, but had several drives that went into scoring territory and then got, you know, Wendell Smallwood had two touchdowns. What is that about? Is he a feature back now? No, he's not. But, oh, my God. Oh, what, my what goodness. Was Listen, <laughs> what, like, 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 Nick Foles was playing well, and we were dealing with that. And then within the span of, like, five seconds, <laughs> Wendell we Smallwood, Smallwood made good too. plays. Corey Graham made a good play. And Holodianata made a good play. Right. And I was just like, okay. How do um, I process? This is a lot to take on. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, so pretty much Gro told Doug and probably the whole roster is like, listen, so Ben has been talking a lot of smack. You guys know Ben. Kisses all like show. You guys are big fans, obviously. Yeah. So Ben has been talking tons of smack on the podcast about you, Wendell. So we're going to give you 
whatever it was, like 12 touches. Um, we like for you to score on, say, like two or three of them. How's that sound? How does yeah. a 4.8 yards per carry and two touchdowns sound? Yeah. Like, oh, like Ben's been, uh, been, been defensible of the, uh, Zach Ertz target street, uh, thing. So we're going to give Ertz, uh, only seven targets, which, which actually, like, we should talk about this. You know how, uh, you know how Ertz was targeted way less than Alshon Jeffrey in this game, right? Right. Yeah. Ertz had seven targets. Alshon had eight. Yeah. I know. Now, now, <laughs> what I will say is, what I will say is, Alshon caught all eight of his for 160 yards. Right. Which is, uh, I'm doing the math. That's good. That's really good. Uh, Zach Ertz, obviously, three catches for 22 yards. Now, let's talk about this. Uh, if you want to make a comparison between the Dallas game and the Rams game, well, I'm here to tell you the Cowboys have much, much, much better corners than the yeah. Rams do. And Correct. so, obviously, you're in a situation where you want to be according to the tight end. Now, once Byron Jones starts coming over Zach Ertz, which uh, one handsome Mike Kiss profiled for Bleeding Green Nation, it's upgraded on the site, well, then you'd like to see them move away from Ertz, and something that we talked about. Correct. And hey, look at this. Nick Foles comes in, and the target re- distribution is different. What I will say is, okay, so they're targeting Ertz too much, and they're targeting Jeffrey too little with Carson's in. They had... A, 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 like, you know, a less productive passing attack to get 270 yards and interception, no touchdowns, than they usually do. I think that's very important to know that the passing attack in general was not as good, just like from a raw production standpoint. Now, I'm very excited to go back to the film, Mike, because we've got to talk about, you know, what in the designs were different that were giving Alshon more right. targets. Yeah. To me, it would be, well, we just made Alshon number one in the progression more often. We mm-hmm. made, you know, we called plays or by alignment and put him in number one in the progression more often because Foles clearly has a better rapport with that with Alshon as compared to the rapport between Wentz and Ertz. And despite the interception that Akeeb had, Akeeb looked like, and he's coming back from an injury, Akeeb looked bad in the first half. Akeeb looked very I mean, bad in the first half. That was a mismatch that you want to exploit. I cannot tell you what the he, LaMarcus Joyner, and Marcus Peters were doing on the, the Aguilar- Alshon hit punt the center fielder ridiculous like I could not possibly explain that to you no there was, I have no idea what was going on there but what I know about target the target distribution is this here's two things that I know number one Nick Foles clearly likes throwing to Alshon Jeffrey and it works well for him Carson Wentz clearly likes throwing to Zach Ertz and it works well for him and I'm not going to complain about either one number one number two Alshon clearly wanted to make a statement with his targets you know what I mean like Alshon was clearly playing at a very high and aggressive level, making fantastic catches. Foles was was asking a lot out of him to catch some jump balls and to catch some balls outside of the radius. And Alshon responded in a big way. And so, like, you know, uh, Alshon, this is his highest output since week seven, since week eight, whatever. Good. He's going to continue to get the football now. Alshon's also going to be on the team next year. Carson's going to be on the team next year. They're going to continue to get Alshon the football. You know what I mean? Like, this is like another, this is like, like all right, is Nick Foles better than Carson Wentz? No. Well, he had a good, he had a pretty good game today. Well, it's a sample size thing. He had one good game, and he's had good games in the past. He's had bad games in the past. You have to be able to calibrate sample size. Jeffrey fell asleep, target wise, for a four or five game stretch. Yeah. But over his two years here in Philadelphia, he's been a productive receiver who has very frequently led the team in targets. I believe I might be wrong, but he has gotten a healthy amount of targets. I'm sure it's wide receiver one caliber esque. So yeah, yeah, he had a, a quieter five game stretch. Well, Foles has kind of reminded us, because of his affinity with Jeffrey, his, his chemistry with Jeffrey, what Jeffrey can do when Jeffrey is that feature receiver. Philadelphia's also got Mouse to feed with Aguilar and with Golden Tate, but I don't think that, like, you know, oh, now that Foles is in, Jeffrey's going to start getting targets, and then it's going to, like, 
go back to Jeffrey getting four targets a game, or that Jeffrey will only get targets when it's falls, or that the game plan was even changed that much so that Jeffrey would get targets. It's yeah. just simply the reality of where Foles likes to put the football. He's throwing trust routes to yeah. Jeffrey, where Wentz will be throwing trust routes to Ertz, and both have been successful. Yeah, so it's interesting. Wait, okay, so let's let's put a grade on it. A through F, what do you grade Nick Foles' performance for this game? What would what would be average on the bell curve? A B? Like a B. You know what I mean? B minus. I B-. mean, minus? the yeah. interception the interception was bad. Keeps Lee squatting on it. Missed a few throws. I mean, he got he got hit on a on – like, he hit Alshon on a couple throws where Alshon just went out and saved it for him. He was frequently throwing short of the sticks, which was play calling. Didn't want it to be sending him beyond the six on third down. He was frequently sh- throwing short of six on third down. But – and this is the key thing I kind of talked about. What does Foles have that Carson doesn't? Foles is not pushing to make crazy plays the way that Carson does. Right. Foles plays a calmer game right now than Carson right. Wentz. And for the the intents and purposes of this game, in which Philadelphia got three turnovers, right? In which Philadelphia's defense stepped up in a way we haven't seen them play. That calm, steadying hand led them to a win. It's not dissimilar, in my opinion, to my experience of uh, game one against Atlanta. Way back week one, Eagles win that game 18-12. to Right again, super super low passing output right now. Like the two of the three lowest passing outputs for the Eagles this year have been the Atlanta game and then this game, and the only other low one was the New Orleans Saints game. Right, just generally, just like you know, a, a, a rather anemic, slow passing game. I did think it was interesting, especially on the drive where they got they got the third and three, where they get two yards up the middle, and then the then the fourth and one where they go with Adams again, and they don't mm-hmm. get it. The turnover on downs there that they took the ball out of Foles' hands in the third and eight when they were up two scores, that they went with a run to Sproles, they took it out of his hands again. And it was just something that we've seen all season. I, and I asked them before that play, please be aggressive. Please be, please be aggressive on third and eight in this situation. This Rams offense can score on you, and this defense is going to gas out. And that's what's kind of started to happen. They took it out of his hands. I thought it could have been a better day for Foles if they had trusted him more. But then at the same time after that, he threw one to Ertz high and, and, and away, and that one nearly got picked too. So you're like, okay, well, maybe not. <laughs> oh, man. That near pick uh, with about like four minutes left. Yeah, that second and 17 or whatever it was. Oh, my goodness, man. I was I, – I pooped a little bit. I was just like – I was so freaking scared. Yeah. I just like – you felt it coming. I was so mad that they made me believe they were going to win this game and then they tried to give it away again with a scoreless fourth quarter where they gave them up 10 points. They were about to give up 17 points. Oh, I was furious. Yep. Um, but no, it didn't come to be. And man, shout out to the the, the Rams punt returner who muffed that thing. Thank goodness. Oh, yeah. But this is – I mean, this is this – is, I don't know about you. To me – this is the most interesting game to uh, look back on all 22 wise the Eagles season. I mean, oh yeah. How did this se- how did the secondary survive? Yeah. With Number the one. players that they had, <laughs> with the 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 yardage they've given up to much worse passing attacks. And number 2, what was if anything different beyond execution for the offense and corollary to that? What does improved execution across the board, offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, tell us about Nick Foles? Like, QB wins, question mark? Like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, right. like, it's not really a thing, but, like, you you wonder, 
I mean, you don't really wonder why this team believed they could win with Nick Foles. They did it for three games straight in the playoffs when they weren't supposed to. Yeah. Uh, so, there, you know, there was evidence to it, like all the data pointed to it. Uh, it's just, it seems so improbable every single time, you know, and this goes back to what I said in the beginning of the show, like, it's still unbelievable. Like, this is, yeah. this is just like, we don't know what to tell you. But this, I mean, it's this is fascinating to go back and look. This is going to be, I mean, it's going to be incredible. And it's going to be huge for understanding what to expect against Houston. And now a situation, Mike, where if the Eagles beat Houston at home, Houston's been good, but recently lost. Uh, and Houston will be coming off of a longer week. We assume the Vikings uh, beat the Lions, uh, which they're doing, I believe, on the road. But we assume the Vikings beat the Lions, which they should. The Eagles will be half a game back against a Washington Redskins team led by Josh Johnson. Right. Uh, a game they should win. The Vikings will be playing a Week 17 game against the Bears in a game in which, because the Eagles beat the Rams... The Bears have to play the starters. The Bears just may play the starters, right. looking to go get themselves uh, round one by. And right. so it's an incredible point where... It's an incredible point where you could... This Rams win could end up bringing Philadelphia to a point where Week 17, they're looking for a little bit of help, but it's a little bit of realistic help to potentially make the sixth seed wild card. And there's other situations that are a part of that as well. Uh, there's, you know, a, a two-loss Seattle team and Philadelphia winning out would send Philadelphia to the playoffs because uh, Seattle would fall out of the wild card. But to me, that's not super likely. Seattle will have to lose to Arizona, which I don't anticipate them doing. They just lost to San Francisco, and I was watching that San Francisco game, and I was going, man, I sure hope the Eagles come out and play like the 49ers yeah. did tonight, and they ended up with a W. It was wild. I doubt I doubt against remind, the Cardinals. Remind me, does, does Kyle Shanahan coach the Cardinals? believe he does not. <laughs> yeah, it's Steve Wilkes who does that. So anyway, uh, a Carolina team that could potentially beat the the uh, the Saints a couple times could change the tiebreakers. There's also uh, if the cow if the Cowboys decide to lay another magnificent stinker against the Bucks, which and what then was the that Giants. Game? <laughs> listen, listen. I was like, obviously, this Rams game has kind of distracted the point here. But if the that the Cowboys losing that game made me so angry, I was furious yeah. because. Because, Mike, nothing will be said about this, nothing will be mentioned about this, no one gets to this, but we sat here after that game and we said, everybody is all about it. They're just drinking the Cowboys juice, and this team is bad. It's just there was a bad team who beat the Eagles. And then they come out and absolutely embarrass themselves against the Colts because they're not a good football team. And you won't hear anything like, oh, maybe the Cowboys aren't legit. Nope, we'll still talk ourselves into the Cowboys if and when they win the division. They'll come out against the Buccaneers. They'll beat them 13-6, to and we'll all be about it again. But still, this is a, a clearly bad team, just like the Eagles are clearly a bad team. But hey, now that Nick Foles is here, who the heck knows what's going to happen? <laughs> and what we said about the Cowboys was, we know what the offense is. The offense is bad. We know what the defense is. The defense has been playing very good. Offensive play is stickier than defensive play. And that's what happened to the Cowboys today against the Colts, just getting manhandled by the Colts. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how this playoff picture unfolds. We're going to cover all of that. The reason I think the Eagles pulled off this upset today, Ben, and mm-hmm. we'll get to th- we'll get to three words here. Uh, it was because, as Ridgewood points out at Teddy underscore Ridgewood, Doug wore glasses. That's exactly yes. why. That's no, exactly it's, okay. Why. Before we before we rip all the way through three words. Yeah. Uh, game ball. You got to give one out. Avanti Maddox. All right, Avanti Maddox. Yeah, that's easy. Convince me. Not that I need any convincing. I mean, dude. I literally, like, <laughs> screw me. I wrote about Avanti Maddox, and I was like, before I see, I was like, man, I don't think he's ready to be 
the slot corner. And so Mike Grell went to Avante, listen to the podcast, Mike Grell, went to Avante and said, dude, I'm going to, this is my new favorite joke. This is hysterical. Yeah. Went to Avante and said, yo, uh, because Ben doesn't think it'd be a slot corner, I talked to Jimbo and we're just going to play you literally everywhere on the freaking field all of the time and you just will never stop making good plays forever. Yeah. Shout out Avante Maddox. Outside outside corner now after being safety and being trained as a nickel corner of Maddox with the big pick on there at the, with the coverage at the end of the game. Dude balled out and had the and had the tackle that kept Gurley in bounds. That's my case for him. That's three big plays right there. Dude, three big moments. For that, I mean, that, like, obviously Gurley should have gone out of bounds, but Gurley cuts that back in bounds and uh, not a lot of people, like Gurley doesn't break a ton of tackles, but not a lot of small fourth round 5'10 rookies tackle Todd Gurley at that moment and Maddox hit him. Maddox put it on him. Uh, dude, Fletcher Cox goes out goes carts gets carted off yeah probably gets shot up a little bit comes back <laughs> and just i mean did Balls. you see that clip of him taking john sullivan yes and like straight darth vader choke slamming him up into the air feet off the ground just un like displanted displaced him and just unbelievable amount of interior pressure i mean it was the it was the textbook uh it was how you draw up beating jared goff and he and he and and, and, and him michael bennett had fantastic games in order to do so. Yeah. It's, it's, dude. I mean, Michael Bennett, obviously, but Fletcher Cox in a game where, you know, kind of coming in with that context of like, oh, you know, like, uh, I don't get like the same amount of love and respect that Aaron Donald does. Well, Cox had a bigger game than Donald without question in yeah. this game. Donald's a better player. Again, sample size. It's like a Nick yep. Foles, Carson Wentz thing, but Cox <laughs> had a huge one. So that's my game ball. You can roll three words. So a, a couple here, we got to get to some of what people are saying about Nick Foles. Caden, Caden Lai at K-E-L-E-I-X-85 says Foles takes galore. That's correct. That's what we're facing. That's what we're facing. I'm going to be on 97.5 in the morning probably talking about it. I'll get asked about it, and you're going to hear my take oh, on there Mike, as well. Mike, defend us. Nice little, little plug for 97.5. Uh, Alex Uram at FlexiLexi40 says quarterback controversy. Look, and I tweeted this out. No matter what happens with Foles, unless it's just this unreal magical run Super Bowl then, thing again, I don't. If then in that case, I don't care. I could die tomorrow. But it, let's just say Foles plays really well over the life of this season and make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. Maybe maybe they 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 get into a playoff game. Whatever, whatever happens, Foles can play really well. The season ends. The quarterback for this franchise is Carson Wentz. Anything else that you hear is noise. It's a complete media construction. It's not created by the organization. I guarantee you that. Can you imagine, like, if somebody sat you down on December 10th, 2017, before the Rams game last year and said, you know, Carson, like, you know, MVP conversation right now. Right. And you were like, yeah, like 365 days from right now. Yeah. You'll be talking or just like 71. You'll be talking about potentially calling Nick Foles the franchise quarterback over him. Right. I'm here to tell you that even if it's the right call for Nick Foles, it won't be made because Lurie, Doug, and Howie, when they made their choice to go get their franchise quarterback, traded up everything to go get Carson Wentz. The eggs are in that basket. Yeah. Then they're going to remain there. Like, you know, yeah, Foles wins a second Super Bowl. Let's talk about it. But right. barring that, yeah. the eggs are in that basket, and that's what they're going to remain. Every good game that Foles puts out is an opportunity to trade him. That's all it is. I mean, at this point... 
I'd be texting Doug Marone and be like, hey, let's schedule golf for every freaking weekend for the next 10 months while I convince you to send me an exorbitant amount of picks that you should not send me for Nick Foles. I wouldn't phrase the text like that. That wouldn't work. But I'm so happy you said quarterback controversy because Patrick at PMC1423, friend of the podcast, Patrick, uh, his three words is quarterback controversy. And then it's the gif of Batman slapping Robin a bunch of times. So clearly <laughs> he agrees with us in the sense that there is not a quarterback controversy. Yeah, the other one, Anthony A. at Ayers, uh, or Ayers0807 says, Foles the sequel. Look, man, if, if it happens once, it's Joe Flacco. If it happens twice, we'll have a conversation. That's where I'm at. Remember Joe Flacco going 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the playoffs, having that crazy right. fluke win against the Denver Broncos, going right. to win a Super Listen, Bowl? Been trash Sunset since. Shaz. Sunset Shaz, friend of the podcast. Nick Foles is the second most efficient quarterback in exclusively playoff history, which is just like Nick Foles' career is going to be something I have to explain to my kids like multiple times. And they'll be like, really? And I'll be like, yeah, that dude, that weird looking Napoleon Dynamite, they probably don't get that reference, dude. That guy right there, second most effective quarterback. They're like, but we don't know who he is. I'll be like, that's why this is funny. Yeah. I had from, where was it? Uh, Tom Shaddle at T Shaddle says is Sean he... McVay's face, which, yeah. man, after that muff, when they locked down on McVay and his eyes were wide as dinner plates, dude, <laughs> 2017 coach of the year, robbed it from Doug Peterson. He will never, ever beat Doug Peterson in his career. Boom. Third take of the podcast. McVay will go O and whatever against Doug Peterson in his career. That's my take. There are a lot of confused people. Uh, <laughs> dude, there are. There, I've seen Including seven. Us. I've seen seven big D necks. I've seen seven. Just, just everywhere. Yeah, one from the from the account from App Leading Green. From the official account, right? That's a good point. And then the last one I wanted to find because it made me laugh oh so hard. Chris Carbaugh at DA underscore C Train, the Smallwood game, mm. which it's it, it, it's it's the sneaky narrative, Mike. It's not Nick Foles. It's not the change of Nick Foles. No, it was the change of feature back to Wendell Smallwood. That's how. The Eagles saved their season. Last year, we know it was Nick Foles here. Wendell Smallwood, 10 touchdowns in the playoffs, three in the Super Bowl. Eagles beat the Chiefs by running Wendell Smallwood everywhere. Shout Pay out Wendell man. Smallwood. Pay the man now. As we all do. Listen, thank goodness Doug ran him on yeah. that second and 11 yes. in the red zone against the Cowboys. Because if he hadn't, Smallwood wouldn't have been ready to win this game. Wendell Smallwood, ladies and gentlemen. MVP, all the game balls. I hate this game so much. This game is literally the worst thing in the world. Because we have to make sense of it. And football is chaos. Eagles win 30-23, to beat the Rams after being 13.5-point dogs. I think that's going to do it for us here. Ben, would you like to say goodbye to the gentle listeners? <sighs> gentle listeners, I, I can't believe we are still here talking about the season. After everything has happened, the Eagles are 7-7 seven and seven with two games left. And after we told you unequivocally that the season rested on the Cowboys game a week ago, here we are selling you on Nick Foles and the LA Rams beating Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Houston Texans at the link in week 16. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on VGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's been Michael Kiss on Twitter, at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K-I-S-T. The second is all 22 drops, which we should expect at some point on Monday, Mike, or on Tuesday. You caught me. Okay. 
Yeah. Whenever, yeah, I always do. Whenever <laughs> the L22 drops, we're going to get the review out for you guys as soon as we can, simply because, again, going back through the film on this game is going to be fascinating. Uh, in the meantime, like 580 ratings right now on iTunes, 572 of which are five star ratings, which is literally like 98 point something rating. Yeah. It's incredible. So we're so, very, very thankful for that. Listen, the season is nothing, coming to an no, end. No, hold again. on, hold on, hold on, Ben. Nothing okay. in America, in this economy, has in that this type of approval economy <laughs> mike and i's new thing is in this economy anyway yeah. uh there's 580 ratings which is absolutely so there's 227 reviews which is crazy we have gotten some hysterical reviews recently we'll be excited to read those on the podcast probably on a less yes. busy one uh so go ahead and throw a couple more on there while you can if we got that up to 600 ratings that'd be incredible like we said on a previous podcast we are nearing the top 150 podcasts right now for all of sports and itunes which is bananas so your ratings and reviews do help us there please go ahead and leave those and always uh talk to us on twitter we got a lot to talk about for this game should be a really fun week you will catch us for the rest of the week all 22 review show and then a very important all of a sudden houston texans preview shows offense and defense it's the usual week here at the kiss and solak show we will catch you later we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.